Good morning, Dorisville. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Are you glad our roof doesn't leak? I am. I'm grateful for heating. I'm grateful for air conditioning. I'm grateful for a dry roof. The reason I say that is because when our building was built, for some reason, we had a leak back there that would never go away. And for like three and a half or four years, every time it rained, here comes Adrian with the box. If you were sitting underneath there, you got baptized. Well, actually, you got sprinkled. You didn't get immersed, but you did get sprinkled. So we had multiple baptisms to report that year. And then finally one day, we found the leak. And every time it rains, I'm grateful. Amen? All right, so speaking of rain, speaking of, wasn't that nice lead in? Speaking of rain, what is the most popular channel on cable television today? The Weather Channel. By and far, the most watched channel on satellite cable television is the Weather Channel, and it's because it impacts what we do every single day. And one of the most popular features on the Weather Channel is your local on the 8th. How many of you know about the local on the 8th? Every 8, at 8 past the hour, at 28 past the hour, it goes on around. All right, every 10 minutes, they have a segment that tells what's happening in your weather where you live. And the reason that's so popular is because we want to know what goes on in our lives with the weather. Now, here's what's funny about the Weather Channel. It is the most popular channel, all right, on cable television. We all watch, if you watch it, local Yates, what's happening in my world around me, how often we ignore what we hear. Let me give you an example. Tuesday night, not this past Tuesday, but Tuesday night a week ago, we had the big storm come through. Remember the big wind? I watched part of that with Jim Razor and part of it with the Weather Channel, okay? And now that I've got direct television, it really actually pops up there. It's not like somebody talking about New York. They actually pop up with the local weather and had a red dot that said, Warning. And I clicked on that warning and it said, There was a th- severe thunderstorm warning for Harrisburg, Illinois. You should take cover from the storm. You know what I did? I went and sat on the front porch. I said, you know, if this is really 70 mile an hour winds, this really ought to be cool. And so I go outside, and I, I'm sitting kind of like northeast, okay, to kind of get a bearing. The storm's coming from the west. And I'm sitting there, and, I, and the trees are kind of doing this, you know, a little bit. I said, well, that's pretty cool, you know, about 25 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, this incredible... And it, it was. My, my wind gate said 60, 58 miles an hour, and it's in a bad place because it's by a tree. We had some 70 mile an hour gusts, and I was sitting there, and by that time the power went out, the trees, it was like it's whipping around my house almost like a tornado. And guys, I was genuinely frightened. I was genuinely scared. And I, I said at that moment, why are you here? Why are you here? And that's a really good question because the Weather Channel had said, take cover, and I went out into the weather. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, let me tell you about something else. Some time ago, about six months ago, I was watching the Weather Channel, and because I have my preacher brain in gear sometimes, when they said the Weather Channel, I said, what if we were to do a series of messages on the Weather Channel? And not W-E-A-T-H-E-R, but rather W-H-E-T-H-E-R. Whether we decide to do what God calls or challenges to do. So next four weeks, we're going to look at four messages. 
based on the weather channel, your local on the twelves, or your life on the twelves. And the reason it's twelves is because next four weeks, the scriptures will be all found in the twelfth chapter of different books. Genesis chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and Acts chapter 12. And we want to look at, first off, it ought to interest us because it pertains to our world around us. But here's the question. What will we do with the information we receive? Will we be like the Weather Channel, Dwayne, on a crazy night, go sit on the front porch and almost get blown away? Or will we be willing to apply what we hear this morning? Now, this morning's sub-message is entitled Road Trip. So take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at the call of Abraham, how God called this man and called him into an incredible journey with him. And then we're going to look at what Jesus says to us in the book of Matthew today. So two major scriptures. we got Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and then 7 and 8, and then Matthew 16, 24 through 26. And we're going to take a road trip today determining whether we will follow. It's so, it's so cool how God worked this out. You know, we have some high school graduates today, and they are at this major point in their life when they have to determine what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. We have some college graduates today, and they're determining what they will do with the rest of their lives. And then we, each one of us, some of you are expecting your first child today, and you're poised on this cliff called parenthood, and you're determining... What kind of parent will I be? How will I raise my children? Some of you are, your child is just fixing to go from elementary school to middle school or from middle school to high school. And you are faced with a whole new different challenges of parenting. Some of you are fixing to enter the world of rent. And that is having a teenager um, living in your house for the first time. And you've got to determine whether, how you're going to pastor or how you're going to parent, whether you're going to do it this way or that way. And so this is a very appropriate message for every one of us today, some of you are poised on the, on the cliff of retirement. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Well, the first point today is a word called impel. And, and it's not like running you through the spear. The word impel, the second major definition, is to drive forward or to call forth. To drive forward or to, call, or, to, or to call forth. And it's really cool because our, our story today begins... With an invitation. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord said to Abram. The Lord said to Abram. Now here's what's really cool. We've got Lord God speaking to a pagan and inviting him. This is very crucial to the message. One, into a relationship. And two, on a journey. Into a relationship. And on a journey to travel with God. And it really is incredible. The word Lord there is the word Yahweh. This is creator God. The God who spoke it all into being. And he's not speaking to the Pope. Of course there wasn't one at that time. He wasn't speaking to some super religious guy. He was talking to a genuine pagan. As far as we know, Abram was a worshiper, as was the culture then. God had really not made himself known in that area of the world. And they, they worshipped many, multiple gods. None of them the true God. And so, out of the clear blue sky, the Lord, Jehovah God, speaks to a pagan named Abram. And here's what he says. Go out from your land and your relatives and your father's house to the land... That I will show you. God speaks to a pagan and says, I want you to leave where you are right now. And I want you to leave behind your land. 
the land. Abram at this time had amassed some wealth. And so he's asking to leave behind his source of income. Now, he was a shepherd. He was a nomad. But at the same time, he was established economically where he was. And God says, I want you to leave that. He was in a social circle. Social life was so important in Abraham's day in the family. And God says, I want you to leave behind the known family that you have. Leave them behind. And I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. I want you to leave your father's house. And, and by that, it was the rules, the way of life, the way he was raised, the, the, the way that he had been molded and shaped. God says, I am calling to you something totally different. I am calling you into a relationship with me and on a journey with me. And here's the incredible part. It wasn't because Abraham deserved it. It was just a matter of God's grace. Abraham did nothing, or Abram, same guy. He gets his name changed later on. Abram and Abraham's the same guy. He does nothing to deserve any of this, and yet God invites him into a relationship. And here's what we learn. It is going to be, now listen carefully, a journey and relationship of faith. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 3 says this. Now watch. Abram, Abraham, Believed God and was counted for him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. Say, believe God. Believe God. He didn't go to church. He didn't get baptized. He didn't give a bunch of money. He did none of that. He simply believed God. And because he believed God, it was counted for him for righteousness. It was going to be a journey of faith. Fast forward 4,000 years. That is exactly what Jesus Christ is calling and doing today. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 16, verse 24, here's what Jesus said, much like the call of Abram. Jesus says, then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone, say anyone. Now, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. But the Bible clearly teaches that born in our natural state, born like we are naturally, we are just pagans. We have nothing that we can bring to God's table and say, I am good. In fact, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Simply put, we are a pagan people when we are born naturally. When we are born physically, we are born into a pagan world, and our response to God is paganistic, if that's a word. Alright? So, here we are. We are born pagan, and holy God, in the form of man, the Lord Jesus Christ, invites us into a relationship and onto a journey. A relationship. And I can't... You know, one of the greatest mysteries to me... Maybe you can, maybe you can talk to me after church. Why... Just the creator of the universe, there's nothing even to compare him to. All-powerful, all-knowing, totally holy, want a relationship to bring it personally with me. And to bring it out to your level with you. I mean, there's really nothing except for grace. Except for grace. So God is inviting you today. 
Or if you count yourself a real religious person. If you count yourself, hey, Dwayne, I'm really good. Listen, I'm a good moral person. I have never cheated on my wife. I've never cheated on my income tax. When it says 55, I go 55. If you count yourself a really good moral person, that's grand. God wants a relationship with you. But you can't bring that stuff to the table. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. And all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Or if you're over here and you say, Dwayne, I am a pagan. I've cheated on my wife multiple times. I regularly cheat on my income tax. I regularly do all the things that, that the world says is immoral. i got great news for you. God desires a relationship with you. And the good news is, that junk won't keep you from a relationship with Him if you'll trust His Son, Jesus Christ. God wants a relationship with you. I can't explain why. It's not because you're worthy or I am worthy. It's simply because it's His nature to love men and women. And even though we're... I know it's such a contradiction. I hate to say it again. Even though in our natural state we're objects of His wrath because we're sinners. He loved us so much. He made a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we could have a relationship with Him. But here's the deal. It's a relationship... And a journey. It's a relationship and a journey. Because look what Jesus says. If any pagan, if anyone wants to come after me or desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Just like Abraham said, what God told Abram, said you've got to leave your land, you've got to leave your family and relatives, and, and you've got to leave your father's house, and you've got to go to a land I'll show you. Jesus said this. He said, if you want to come into a relationship with my Father and me, then I've got a journey for you to take. And you've got to be willing to deny yourself. You've got to be willing to say this. God, it is your deal over mine. God, it is your will over mine. God, before Jesus, I admit I was the boss. After Jesus, you're the boss. Before Jesus, I was my own king and kingdom. After Jesus, I'm a slave and a servant. And Jesus, you are the king. Y'all watch those high school kids, and most of them, I was there when they established the relationship. Many of them I baptized. They started that relationship. And some have continued stronger than others, the journey. But the challenge today is, guys, the challenge today is to say, today, I know the relationship, but today, I choose whether I will follow him or not, and I choose to follow him. Deny himself. Take up his cross. I love this picture. The idea was, Rome, you know, first off, we have it kind of wrong. You know, Jesus probably was not crucified on a cross that looked like, like this. He was probably crucified a capital T instead of a small T. And most likely, what Jesus carried to Golgotha, we know this from history, by the way, the, the, what Jesus carried to Golgotha was the capital part of that T, a big, large beam he would drag along like this. And as he carried that cross, or whether him or another criminal would carry that cross, he was basically saying this. As he drug that cross, he was saying, or excuse me, Rome was making him say, I was wrong and Rome was right. Of course, we know that's not true. But I was wrong and Rome was right. I was wrong, but...
but Rome was right. That was the purpose of carrying the cross. It sent a message of saying, I was wrong and Rome was right. <laughs> Rome was misguided, amen? Because <laughs> God was right. But when it comes to carrying our cross, we pick up that cross. And as we carry it, we're saying, God, I was wrong, but you were right. I was wrong. But you were right. And that is the story of our lives. It's not, listen, it's just not a date in history. It's a journey we take with Jesus Christ. Saying, God, it's your deal over mine. And God, I want you to know from the get-go, I was wrong and you were right. And God, as I go through this journey, I was wrong but you were right. 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 The journey. But I'll say the cross It's about crucifixion. And when Jesus says, take up that cross, it's a willingness to be crucified. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The day I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, spiritually, I was crucified. Self died. Come on now. Self died. The journey includes denying self. The journey includes God, I was wrong and you are right. And God, I died to me. I died to me that you might live. And you high school graduates, as you start your journey into what career you're going to choose, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, somewhere in your inventory of questions needs to be, God says, I died to me. What do you want me to do? Somewhere, college graduates, in your inventory of questions, needs to be the question. Since I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am crucified with Christ, in my inventory of questions needs to be, God, I have died to me. What do you want me to do? Somewhere, our inventory of questions, parents, since we have believed in Jesus Christ, and we have been crucified with Christ, it needs to be, God, it's not how I want to parent, but God... How do you want me to parent? Somewhere, somewhere in the inventory questions, senior adults, I was going to figure out how to say that because I'm rapidly becoming one. As you think about retirement, somewhere in your inventory of questions has to be, since I am a believer in Jesus Christ and I have been crucified with Christ, God, what do you want me to do? We spend our lives as believers in Jesus Christ, looking back to a day, punching our ticket to heaven, saying, thank you, God, for the ride and doing our deal. And Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of me, if you're a believer in me, then you've got to go through life saying, your deal, not mine. I was wrong and you are right. And since I'm crucified and I'm dead, God, what do you want me to do? 
And in Western culture, that is as foreign to us as anything. We raise our kids to have them choose a career that will make the most money, that will give them financial security. Rarely does a parent say, God, what do you want my child to be or do? And we're missing it. Abram could have stayed, but he chose to go. And because he chose to go, we are talking about his name 6,000 years later. Incredible. Incredible. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And track after me. To follow me as in a teacher and a student. As I teach, the student learns. As the teacher teaches, the student learns. Follow me. How incredible is that? And see, that's what it's all about, guys. It's not a date. It's not looking back here and saying, on October the 26th, 1975, I got my heaven ticket punch. If I die, I'm going to heaven. That's the end of the thing. That's it. No. It's relationship and journey. And the day you trusted Jesus Christ, if you're one of the high school kids, if I baptized you and you were eight or nine years old and you trusted Jesus, that day you began a journey. And as you track through life, it's denying self, taking up the cross, and following me. And you know what? That's foreign to us. You want to know why I sat on the front porch? I, with reasonable certainty, knew I wasn't going to die. I knew that chances are I was not going to be hurt. I convinced myself that it was okay because there was no Danger. Do you know why we ignore the relationship and journey? Because we convince ourselves that really there is no danger. That we'll make it through life. That we'll have some kind of reasonable measure of success. And at the end, we go to heaven and everything's fine. And yet we do know in heaven there's a place called the judgment seat of Christ. Where every follower of Jesus Christ will give an account of his life. Not sin. But account their lives of how they denied self, how they took up their cross, and how they followed Jesus Christ. Deciding whether we will follow. Now watch this. This just kind of builds on point number one. And we probably won't make it to the third point to ease your mind about time. Look what it says. Impact. I will make. Say, I will make. Um, I will make you a great nation. Say, I will bless. Right? I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will. I will. Isn't that incredible? Do you see that? God says, I make, I will make, I will bless, I will make. I will, I will, I will. And all you've got to do, according to the Bible, is you will be a blessing. It's all God. God, listen. Abram, listen, son. Let's just be honest, okay? You're a pagan. You're not a God follower. You've done nothing that we should even be having this conversation. But the bottom line is, I want to use you. The bottom line is, I want a relationship with you. And if you'll believe me, I will count as righteousness. And here's the gig. As you, if you will believe me, if you will trust me, then here's the gig. I'm going to make you a great nation. 
I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. God, what do I have to do? Be a blessing? Can I translate that for you? Glorify me. That was the context. That was the thought. When God was speaking to Abraham, just simply glorify me. In your life, let others see me and you. That's it. And again, why did God say, I will, I, 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 will, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. What did Abraham bring to the table? Say nothing. What do you bring to the table? Then why in the world would God do stuff like this? Why in the world? Why would God take a simple guy from Jacksonville, Florida and allow him to pastor a church like Dorisville? Why would God take you and make you the president of something or a teacher of something or put titles in front of your name or, or have you driving the cars you car, drive and the places you live and the money you make and the influence you have and the people you know, the children you have? Why? G-R-A-C-E. Grace. Say amen. That's it. it. Listen, I know you're pretty proud of yourself, and I'm pretty proud of myself, but honey, we ain't this good. It's just God's amazing grace. You've got the name you got. You've got the reputation you got. You've got the title you got. You've got the money you got. You've got the intellect you got. You've got the business you got. Because of God's amazing grace, plus or nothing minus. It's God. It's God. Now listen to this. This is incredible. Ephesians chapter 2, this part you know, but hang on for the tagline. For by grace you have been saved. Does this sound familiar? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Say gift of God. Not of works. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But what about what follows? We've all heard. I quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9 about every other week. But what about verse 10? May I read it to you? It says, for we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We are his creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Wait a minute. When you mean God didn't save me to just punch my ticket to heaven and do what I wanted to do? Honey, ain't no way. You, you mean Jesus didn't save me so I can amass wealth in this world and have a good ride here? You may do that, but that's not why. You know why God hadn't already taken you out to heaven? I mean, if heaven's so wonderful and earth's so bad, why hadn't He already taken you out of here? Because you were created for good works. God's got a purpose for you. What was Abraham's purpose? That you might be a blessing. Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to build you a good nation for the purpose of being a blessing. Why did God leave you here after He saved you? To be a blessing for good works. And He goes on and says this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, Dwayne, that sounds to me like God had a plan. He did. 
I don't know how you can wrap your arms around this, your head around this. But long before you were born, God had a plan for you. In His foreknowledge, He looked ahead and knew that Brent was going to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. He had a plan for Brent. And that plan included being a youth pastor here at Georgeville for like 16 years. He, he had this guy over here gifted and wired and talented in the area of worship. So one day, he could lead people in worship. He gave me good jaws so I could holler at people. Are you getting what I'm saying? God saved me by His grace, created me for good works, for a purpose. And it's not just to make money. It's not just to amass wealth. It's just not to have homes everywhere and cars that have letters like BMW and Mercedes-Benz. You are created for good works, for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Anything wrong with Mercedes-Benz? No, if you want to buy me one, I will gladly drive it. <laughs> Anything wrong with living in big houses? I've got a pretty big one myself. Not many of y'all have got a two-bedroom apartment attached. I've got, I got a three-car garage. Can't get three cars in it, but that's another story. Nothing wrong with things. Like I said at that funeral the other day, things are fine as long as we own things and things don't own us. To make a difference in this world. High school graduates, you are created to make a difference in this world. It's not just about stuff. It's not about a name. Parents, you have God has given you these children to mold and to shape. Not as you see fit, but as God sees fit. Madam and sir, if you are somehow equipped where you can retire, God's not just let you retire so you can have houses in Florida and, and RVs to drive around in and play golf five days a week. God has put you in that position to make a difference in this world in the prime of your life. Incredible. Incredible. Here's how Jesus worded it. For whoever desires to save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, will find it. Jesus says this. If you want to come into relationship with me, and if you want to take the journey with me, then here's the deal. One choice one is this. You can go ahead and amass the things of this world. You can get as much money as you can, as much stock as you can, as many toys as you can. Then you can live life, okay? And then you're going to have kids and you're going to have grandkids if you're blessed, all right? And then one day you're going to retire. Then you're going to have more time than you ever had before, although unless you've been retired, you realize that's not true because every retired person I know says, I'm busier now than when I work. Unless you're a city worker, and that's impossible. All right. There we go, Terry. All right. So, okay, okay, okay. So, so then, then you've then you got more time on your hands than ever, okay? And then you still amass some more things. And then you get sick, and you die. And you lose everything. Because you aren't taking those things to heaven. Jesus says that's one choice. If, 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 you, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. Or... You 
can lose your life for the gospel and keep it. That means that you say, God, it's, it's your deal over mine. God, I was wrong and you were right. And God, I'm crucified. So here's what, here's the deal. Whatever you want me to do is what I will do. And, and Jesus, I commit to following you, not for a day, a week, a month, but for the rest of my life. And as I invest my kingdom, and by the way, again, I want to say it one time, just so you're perfectly clear. That doesn't mean selling everything you've got and living in poverty. It doesn't mean you can't have an RV. It doesn't mean you can't play golf five days a week. It doesn't mean, but it means that those things are all secondary to what God wants you to do. Here's the incredible part. You go through life and you have an incredible ride. Can I have a witness? An incredible ride and you die. And then you go to heaven. And somehow in some super cool way... Your car won't be there, but the rewards that you have reaped will be. And there's going to be an incredible payday in heaven. And it all starts with the king of the universe, the one the Bible says created all, the one with the scars in his wrist and in his feet and a slit in his side, looking you dead in the eye and saying, well done, good. Faithful servant. That's a good time for applause. And then for the rest of eternity, you enjoy the splendors and wonders. And I go, I, I, I'm talking about salvation, I'm talking about these rewards that, that Jesus talked about. The wonders and splendors of heaven. It's incredible. Well, Dwayne, can I ask you a question? What if, I, what if I, like, you know, I want the date thing, I want to go, like, you know, relationship, but there's no journey? Well, only God knows your heart. I'm certainly not going to say whether you're saved or lost, but I, I, the more I, I've been doing this for 28 years now. And the more I read the book, the more it says, if you say there's a relationship, there's got to be a journey. I mean, that's what Jesus was saying here. But can I read it to you again? If you want to come after me... You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and follow me. I can't find a single verse. I've got to be honest with you. I'm going to keep dead in the eye. I can't find a single verse that says, just pray a prayer and do my thing and I'll make it to heaven. I can't find a verse, guys. I mean, if you're saying I've got a date and God is like nowhere on your radar now, I'm just telling you, I can't find it in the Bible. If you want to risk it, that's cool. But as your pastor, I need to tell you, I can't find it in the book. Everything I see in the Bible says there's a relationship and there's a journey. And it says, your deal over mine. It says, I was wrong and you were right. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I'm dead. God, whatever you want is okay with me. And I will follow you. Can I close with one more verse? Look across your sermon sheet or flip it over in your case to the last verse in Matthew 16, 26. This is heavy stuff, isn't it? But see, I'm glad the Weather Channel, even though I didn't listen to them, I'm glad they told me the truth. And one thing about the Word of God, it tells us the truth if we'll listen. If we'll listen. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. 
What's a profit a man if you amass all the stuff, but at the end you lose your soul? And then he asked another perplexing question. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What is your soul worth? What does the world have to offer you for you to say, no thanks God, I'll take my deal or the world's deal? Perplexing question. And I need to tell you this. In the church today, these are very relevant questions. Because we hear in pulpits across America just pray a prayer, make a commitment, get wet, and do what you want to do because God's grace will hold you. Well, honey, I believe in eternal security down to the core of my being, but it's got to begin with a relationship. A genuine relationship. A life-changing relationship. And when there's a life-changing relationship, there is a journey. Now, on that journey, I may fall flat on my face. And on that journey, I may take a detour and God says, you're off the track, son, come on back. But the journey ultimately ends there. Not over there, son. So students, I want to challenge you today as you graduate. When I put you in that water, water did nothing for you, but it was based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somewhere in your young life, you said, Jesus, you're the boss. I want to challenge you today as you make plans for college and your careers to say, okay, God, it's your deal over mine. I've got the relationship and I want the journey. I want to challenge our college students the same thing. Okay, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I will challenge every parent here who's parenting young children. Okay, God, how do you want me to raise Johnny or Susie? Every senior adult, starting with my age. Okay, God, retirement's in my future. What do you want me to do? The Lord Yahweh said to a pagan, I want you to leave it all behind and follow me. I offer you a relationship And a journey. Lord God speaks today to pagans like us and says, Leave it all behind. I offer you a relationship and a journey with me. The question is whether you will follow or not. Would you bow your heads, please? It all begins with a commitment. I'm not against praying prayers. We pray prayers here regularly about salvation. I think it's a great way to tell God where you are. That's cool. But it's a commitment. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Believing He's the Son of God. Believing He died for your sin. Believing He was buried. Believing He resurrected on the third day. And believing He lives today to be the King of your life. The boss of your life. I use it so often because I love it. Matthew, come follow me. And the tax collector, the rich guy, got up and left it all behind and followed Jesus. As did Peter. As did John. As did James. And later on, after Christ was resurrected, as did a guy named Paul. If you never made that commitment, my friend, Brother Brent, will be standing right down front here. I'm going to ask you to do something. The last couple of weeks we, we prayed prayers, but today I'm asking. Abraham was asked boldly and publicly, 
to follow Yahweh God. I'm asking someone to take Brent by the hand and say, Brent, I want a relationship and a journey with God. Can you tell me how? And we've got some friends today who will show you exactly that. Now, what about if you've already started the relationship? What if in your past there was that day and you know it's the real deal? But you also know somewhere you got off track. Today would be a great day to say this. God, I'm coming home. I know you're my father, but somewhere I got off track. This journey took a U-turn somewhere. And I'm coming back home to you today. Maybe one of our high school graduates. Here you are again on the launch of the rest of your lives. What a great time to recommit to Jesus Christ. It may be a parent in parenting tough. Isn't it hard? Isn't it difficult to make the right decisions? Today, maybe a mom and dad come into the altar and say, Okay, God, we realize the huge responsibility we have. We want to recommit to you to be the parents you want us to be. That's what we'll do next week in baby dedication. It's really not a baby dedication. It's a parent dedication. God, help me to be the parent I need to be. Perhaps senior adults and those in between as you face major life decisions including retirement. God, what do you want me to do? I love you, Father, today. And I thank you for the privilege of teaching this word. And it is hard. It is hard. But, Father, some people in the South didn't listen to the weatherman. Some of them had no choice, but some said it won't be too bad. It was horrible. They died. Father, help us to listen to you as our weatherman today. Father, some you are calling to salvation. Some you are calling to repentance, to return back into a fellowship and relationship with you. Speak to hearts, God, today. And give us the boldness, the courage. And yes, the insight to follow you. Jesus, I just want to pray this in your precious name.